In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, actually, we will, uh, our Bible study from Psalm 46. Psalm 46, 47, and 48 are closely connected because they form a series of praising psalms celebrating Jerusalem's deliverance from foreign enemies, the deliverance of Jerusalem, the city of God, from foreign enemies. And actually, to each psalm, there is a title. Unfortunately, the title is not complete. But the title of the psalm is To the Chief Musician to Completion a song of the sons of Korah, a song, a song for Alamoth. Alamoth. So what's Alamoth? To the chief musician, it's understood this song in instruction to the chief musician, the chief of the orchestra, to lead the people in the chanting and the mu- musician. Uh, to completion means to complete the, the praises of God. A son of the sons of Korah, I will come to this, a song for Alamoth. What's Alamoth? The word Alam means a secret or a hidden thing. For example, in the Septuagint version, it's not written a song for Alamoth, but it's written for the sake of secrets, for the sake of hidden things. And according to some scholar, Alamoth means praise by the church, the virgin. Why the church, the virgin? Because in Isaiah 7 verse 4, the word Alma means virgin. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So they said Alamos means the virgin, the church, the virgin, which is a title also given to Saint Mary, mother of God, who is a betrothed virgin. Others think the word Alamos means a high-pitched string instrument. As we read in First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 20, this psalm is composed by the descendants of Korah. They were Levites from the family of Kohat, and by David's time, it seems they served in the musical aspect of the temple worship, as we read in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19. Some say. They wrote it on their return from the Babylonian captivity when they had once more got peaceably settled in Jerusalem. So after they returned from Babylonian captivity and they settled peacefully in Jerusalem, they composed this psalm. Others say this psalm is the victories which David obtained over the Ammonites and Moabites and other neighboring countries, but this opinion is not supported. And others are of the opinion that it was written on account of the siege of Jerusalem by Sanharib, uh, and this siege was ended in the time of Hezekiah. The psalm 46, the leading idea in this psalm, the main theme in this psalm, is the presence of God in the midst of his city and people as reason for their confidence. When we know that God is in our midst, this will give us confidence. Psalm 46 consists of three equal uh, paragraphs each followed by a Selah. Selah is a pause to reflect. And the second and third paragraphs end with a refrain, 
if you see verse 7 and verse 11, you will see the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The same verse repeated again in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So the psalmist writes as representative of those who have recently passed through some terrible crisis of anxiety. So they went through very difficult time. And they saw with their own eyes the manifestation of God's power on behalf of his people. Also, this psalm is a prophecy of the church in the gospel time and also in our time when there is confusion and distress in the world around us, but the children of God have peace in spite of all the troubles around us because we know that God is with us. God is in our midst. St. Augustine comments on the word alamos, which means secret, and says, Secret is it then, secret is it then, but he himself, who in the place of Calvary was crucified, you know, has rent the veil that the secrets of the temple might be discovered. So, St. Augustine is saying, the Lord on the cross tore the veil. So, the secret that behind the veil was actually revealed. St. Augustine continues and says, Furthermore, since the cross of our Lord was a key, whereby things closed might be opened, let us trust that he will be with us, that these secrets may be revealed. So through Jesus Christ, the secrets of the kingdom of God is revealed to us. No one has known the Father or has seen the Father. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has revealed him to us. So this secret, this mystery that was hidden in all the ages before Christ, now it is revealed to us. The outline of this psalm, verse 1 to 3, the confidence of believers in God. Verse 4 to 7, the peaceful provision of God. From 8 to 11, the Lord is exalted among the nations. So let's start from verse 1, verse by verse. And by the way, this psalm we prayed in the third hour of the Agbaya. It is the psalm before the last in the third hour of the Agbaya. It's a beautiful psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Many of other psalms begin with a description of a crisis in the life of the psalmist. But in this psalm, it begins with the deliverance of God, God's delivery. He looked to God for help in difficult times and found it. When troubles and sorrows get more intense, whether because the visible or invisible enemies, we find in God a refuge strength and help. God himself is our help, not from a distance, but a very present help. God has manifested himself to be so in the past. He has continued to be so also in the time to come and and will not fail to fulfill his promises. St. John Chrysostom says, if you wish to see an invincible power, invincible means unbeatable, unshakable power. St. John Chrysostom continues, insuperable refuge. Insuperable means impossible or undefeatable. Unassailable uh, fort. Unassailable means undisputable, undeniable, impregnable power, secure, 
indestructible. So if you want to have this, take refuge in God. Enlist that great mind. Christ is the refuge for souls to escape unto for safety. So if you want to, to have a safe place to hide in it, it is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the spiritual strength for his people. The Lord Jesus Christ is the strength of his children's heart. Under the greatest trials of their lives, amidst the greatest dangers. So our boast ought to be in God, the only living and true God, not in our armies, not in our fortresses, not in our castles, but in God. He is our refuge and strength. Also, this verse can be interpreted about the time of persecution according to St. John Chrysostom. God is our refuge and strength in the time of persecution, a very present help in trouble. But according to St. Basil the Great, he said, many utter these words by their mouth. So we say God is our strength and, and refuge. We say by our mouth, not by our hearts. Why he said this, St. Basil the Great? He said, because when they fall into a tribulation, they rush to seek human help and not divine help. So if you believe God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, then you should trust him and don't seek or rely or trust in any other help but him. Then the psalmist used the logic of faith. In verse 2, he is saying, if God is a real refuge and strength and present help to his people, then there is no logical reason to fear. Even in the biggest crisis, though the earth be removed. That's why in verse 2 he said, therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. So, those who, with a holy reverence, fear God, do not need to be afraid of any power on earth. As the children of God, we should be fearless. Even if the very foundation on which we stand, the earth, is the foundation on which we stand. Even if this foundation in which all our temporal blessing built is removed out of the place and no longer support, but sink under us, will not be afraid. Even the strongest and firmest part of the earth, the mountains, be carried into the midst of the sea, will not be afraid. Yet, while we keep close to God and have Him for us, we have no reason to fear. So here the psalmist considered the most frightening, humbling natural phenomenon imaginable. He then made the plain clear opinion that God is greater than all these things. And fear before these, in some ways, is denying God of his honor. That's why in verse 3 he said, Though its water roars and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. So, the children of God will not be afraid, though everything should be in commotion and be as unsettled and restless as the waves of the sea. Actually, the noise of the sea causes men's heart to collapse and stop from fear. The earth might be changed, the mountains removed, the sea roar and rush 
against the shur. But we the children of, uh, of God will remain calm and peaceful. All these figurative expressions <coughs> denote the confusions and disorders that have been or will be in the world, amidst all which the people of God have no reason to fear. Then actually, Salah, it is opposed to reflect how we should not fear. Why? Because God is in our midst. God is our refuge and strength. So the greatness of reflection in this psalm is worthy of pause here. Verse 4. Now he goes to the city of Jerusalem. And he said, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. By the way, there is no river in Jerusalem. But here he said, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, Jerusalem, or the church. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So, the psalmist pictured the abundant, constant provision of a river for Jerusalem. So he imagines there is a river, and this river actually, its stream supply Jerusalem. So he making he is making a contrast between the agitated noisy sea threatening to consume the firm mountain in verse uh, two when he said though its water roar and be troubled. So he's making a contrast between this sea and a river, the streams of which make the city of God glad. So. The image here is significant because Jerusalem does not in fact have such a river. Only few small streams. So, what is this river? The prophets anticipated the day when a mighty river would flow from the temple of God. As we read in Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 12, and in Revelation 22, verse 1. So, the future reality about heavenly Jerusalem is already in the mind of the psalmist. But this river, actually, is the permanent and enduring fountain of the grace of God that supplies the church of God. And according to scholar origin, He said, the river is the Holy Spirit who carries to the believers, believers are the trees planted on its banks, the evangelic and apostolic writing, as well as the help presented to them by the heavenly hosts from God. So Origen said this river is the Holy Spirit that actually fills the believers the pure river of water of life, which streaming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and continually refresh and delight his church, the city of God. As we read in Revelation 21 verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Whether the church dwelling place be earthly or the heavenly Jerusalem. So divine grace, like a well flowing, full and never shortcoming river, produces and bears the provisions and consolations to the believers. Saint Augustine says, What are these streams of the river? That overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Of which the Lord said, If any man first let him come unto me and drink, he that believes on me, out of his bosom shall flow rivers of living water. 
These rivers then flowed out of the bosom of St. Paul, St. Peter, St. John, and the other apostles, and the other faithful evangelists. Since these rivers flowed from one river, many streams of the river make glad the city of God, which is the church. Verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. Just at the break of dawn. All the blessing and provision the city of God comes from what? Because of God's presence. Because God in the midst of the church. That's why in our hymns we say Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst with his good Father and the Holy Spirit. So while the world outside is being turned upside down, the church is firm, shall not move. God in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. So the church is firm, stable, safe, since God in the midst of the church. And because of his presence, she is more firmly set than the earth which may be moved. In verse 2 he said, the earth can be moved. So the foundation is not the earth for the church. The foundation is God himself. And God is unshakable. As the Lord said to Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of faith, I will build my church. So the church is not built on the foundation of the earth, but on the foundation of God himself. This city, the church, is so established because God shall help her. Then he said, just at the break of dawn. Meaning what? As soon as the first ray of light proclaims a new day, God's right hand is extended for his people. So with every dawn, with every new day, God is here to help us. As we read in Lamentation chapter 3, his mercies are new every morning. So by the bright rising of God, the darkness of adversity will be scattered, like with the dawn. Verse 6, The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He, God, uttered his voice, the earth melted. So the nations raged against Christ, the kingdoms were moved. But he uttered his voice and the earth melted. The same meaning we find it in verse 2. God pays no regard or considers the wrath of the nations. Many nations persecuted the church, but the church is strong and firm and safe until today and until the second coming of Christ. As they did at Christ's first coming against him and his gospel and his people and crucified him. But he rose from the dead. At his voice, just his voice, will make the earth melt away. He uttered his voice. Shows the absolute power of God. His power to control all the raging element on land and sea by a word. He uttered his voice. God spoke. God gave command. He expressed his will. The earth melts. So, nation raged. Kingdom were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melts. Verse 7. And the verse 7 is a refrain that will be repeated again in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. 
So the refrain in verse 7 correspond to Isaiah stating Emmanuel, Emmanuel means God is with us. So this is the ground of assurance. Our God is the Lord of hosts. Our God who is in our midst is the Lord of hosts. He is the one who has countless angels at his commands. Countless thousands of thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. God of hosts. And he is with us on our side, ready to help. When Peter took his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, the Lord told him, what are you doing? If I want, I will bring thousands of angels. He is Lord of hosts. He is with us on our side, ready to help. St. Augustine says, the Lord, of, the Lord of hosts is with us. What Lord of hosts is with us? If I say God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how has he not with him also freely given us all things? Romans 8. St. Paul said, God the Father who did not spare his own son, but gave him up on the cross, how come with him, with his son, he will freely give us all things? Lord of hosts mean under whose command all the hosts of heaven and earth. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords who has all creatures in heaven and earth at his command whom all the hosts of angels obey, this God is with us. The God, then he gets God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So the God who appeared to Jacob in his distress when he was afraid from Esau and saved him out of all his troubles appeared also for us in his descendants. So God is also for us, the descendant of Jacob by faith, and has totally proved to us that he has not forgotten his covenant. He is the king of the multitude of all hosts. He is also God of the individual with personal relationship of Jacob. So after he said the Lord of hosts, he said God of Jacob, to denote that God also is with each one of us individually. He is not only with us as a group of believers, but he is individually with each one of us. That's why he said God of Jacob. God of Jacob. So the dominant idea in the first section of the psalm, God is our refuge and help. And here, starting from verse 8, the emphasis shifts to a reflection on the glory of God. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in earth. So the invitation is addressed to all, as we read in Isaiah 33, verse 13. Come, behold, the works of the Lord is invitation to the nations. Instead of raging against God, come to see the works of the Lord. So here is a warning to them. Don't rage against the Lord of hosts. Come and see the works of the Lord and behold them. Contemplate and observe them with discernment and understanding, so you may submit and believe in the, God, the Lord of hosts. Come and behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in earth. The idea may be that of God's people, come here, invitation to God's people, are invited to look over the field of the battle, 
after God has completely destroyed his enemies and their vehicle of wars are scattered, broken and burning. And those people of the earth who are neighboring and hostile to Israel, Israelites, were actually destroyed. And in the day of the psalmist, there had occurred many memorable interventions of God among his people's enemies. Desolations may mean the destruction of the city and the temple of Jerusalem, which happened in year 70 AD, as prophesied by Moses in Deuteronomy 32.22, by Daniel in Daniel 9.26, and by our Lord Jesus Christ, 23.38, that you heard it today in the Gospel, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many times I, I want to gather your children as hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and then he said, your house will be desolate. So the desolation here may be referring to the temple of Jerusalem. Or desolation that will be made during the time of the Antichrist. As we read in Revelation chapter 16 verse 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on earth. So, come here, the nations are invited to see the works of God and how God made desolation on earth. And also the believers are invited to see how God defended them and destroyed his enemies. Verse 9, He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear into two. In two. He burns the chariot in the fire. So, each great deliverance effected by God is followed naturally by a term of peace. So after God delivered his people, he granted peace. He made wars cease to the end of the earth. God, when he pleases, puts an end to the wars of nations and crowns them with peace. So even the war it is under the control of God. God destroys all offensive weapons. As he said, three things here. He breaks the bow, cuts the spear in two, burns the chariot in, fire, in the fire. So God destroys all offensive weapons so that none may not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, as we read in Isaiah 11, verse 9. Actually, it was usual to burn the arms and the weapons of the enemies taken in war. So the picture here, after God destroyed the enemies, he burned their weapons. But this term may be intended to point to the final peace. When God shall put down all enemies under Christ's feet, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and the last enemy defeated is death, and then there will be peace to the end of the ages. But let us take this verse in a spiritual sense. What does it mean? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Peace, cast the flames of the Holy Spirit into our heart to burn the thorns of sin that defeat and overwhelm the soul and destroy all the weapons of devils in my heart in order to grant us his exalted peace. As he said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Verse 10, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still means stop fearing. Acknowledge who your God is. God speaks either to the believers 
telling them to wait upon him, be still, wait upon me, silently, without fear, knowing that God to be exalted among the nations and in all the earth. So God is asking the believers during the time of persecution to trust in him and to leave it to him. Many times we say, where are you God? So God is saying to us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers. So in general, God wants men to work with him. But there are some occasions when men must stand still and all must all must be left to the almighty God who is in control of all things. St. John Chrysostom comments on I will be exalted among the nations and he says this in fact is the meaning through the works I shall be proven to you to be mighty and exalted. So St. John is saying, God will be exalted through his work. So, be still can be directed to the believers or also can be directed to the non-believers. As if God telling them, stop from your vain attempts to destroy my church and my people. And commanding them to come to know him as the true God of all who will manifest his absolute authority and sovereignty. So as if God saying to the non-believer, be still and know, believe that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in earth. So in spite of all your evil against my name, against my church, against my people, I will be exalted among you as well as among my own people. And I will make myself glorious by my great and wonderful works. So in other terms, he's asking the enemies to submit and the believers to sit down and wait in patience and to see the marvelous works of God. God is asking us to submit, to lay down our arms, the arms and weapons that we trust more than God, to stop relying and trusting in human weapons, to surrender and to acknowledge that he is the one and only victorious God. God is asking us to be still. Be still can be interpreted also, be still, stop from sinning against me and reflect deeply on my goodness that you the believers may not be brought into distress and desolation. Know that I am God. I am the fountain of power, wisdom, justice, goodness, and truth. I will be exalted in the earth. My salvation will be proclaimed in every nation, among every people, and in every tongue. Be still and know that Jesus is coming again. Be patient, be calm, be watchful, for the return of the Lord. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming again, is now in our midst. Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst. This is his promise before his ascension. He promised to be with us even unto the end of the ages. So the Lord of hosts is with us. Verse 11, which actually is a repetition of verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, is with us. We will not fear what man can do to us. So be still. Recognize his sovereignty in your life. And pray with these realities in mind. That God of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our refuge. He who saved our fathers, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, will save us and will never abandon us, his people, in distress. 
then the psalm is concluded with the word Silah. As I told you, Silah is a firm, lasting, well-founded truth. We need to pause and reflect on it. What is this truth that we need to reflect on it? God is a defender of his name, his people and his word. He's a defender of his name, his people and his word. He alone is our protector, the sovereign rulers and the everlasting refuge. God will protect those who believe in his name and trust in him. This actually concludes Psalm 45. In two or three minutes, I will give a quick summary in Arabic. مزمور ده بيتصلى في الساعة الثالثة المزمور اللي قبل الأخير وده من أجمل المزامير لأنه بيشرح قوة الله في حياتنا فبيقول الله لنا ملجأ وقوة الملجأ لما بيكون الإنسان تعبان بيدور على مكان يستخبى فيه فالله هو الملجأ اسم الرب برج حصين إليه يهرب الصديق ويتمنع يعني يجد مناعة وقوة عونا في الضيقات وجد شديدا يعني في وقت الضيق وجدنا ربنا شديد وقوي بيسند أولاده وبيدافع أولاده دافع عن أولاده يعني إيه الأساس اللي احنا بنمشي عليه وبنتحرك عليه هو الأرض طب لو الأرض ديا اتشقت زي ما بيحصل في الزلازل نعمل ايه قال لذلك لا نخش ولو تزحزحت الارض ولو انقلبت الجبال الى قلب البحر ان هو جاب اسوأ حاجة ممكن تحصل يعني لو الارض تزحزحت من مكانها او لو الجبل الهيوج ماونتنز ديا راحت انقلبت في قلب البحر ده يعتبر كوارث لكن ولاد ربنا ما بيخافوش لأن ربنا معانا لأن الله لنا ملجأ وقوة عونا في الضيقات وجد شديد لما بيحصل هيروكين والبحر بيهيج ناس كلها بتخاف لما هنا يقول في آية ثلاثة تعيش دعجوا وتجيشوا مياهها تتزعزع الجبال بطموها ولكن برضو لا ربنا ما يخافوش حتى يعني مع الهيروكينز ومع الفيضانات ولاد ربنا ما بيخافوش كلمة سلاء ده يعني معناها أقف وتأمل في هذه الآيات أنا عايز أقول لو ربنا معانا مش مفروض نخاف ولاد ربنا مش مفروض يخاف وده اللي شفناه دانيال يرموه في جب الأسود ما يخافش التلات فتي يرموه في أتون النار ما يخافوش ولاد ربنا شجعان ما يخافوش لأن ربنا معاهم بعدين من آية أربعة ابتدأ يتكلم على مدينة الله مدينة الله اللي هي الكنيسة أو أرشاليم السماوية نقول نهر سواقي تفرح مدينة الله أرشاليم أكشري الأرضية ما فيهاش أنهار يبقى إذا ما بتكلمش على أرشاليم نعم بتكلم على الكنيسة أو بتكلم على أرشليم السماوية زي ما نعرف سفر الرؤية في نبوة حسقيال إن في نهر أمام عرش الله النهر ده زي ما قالوا الأباء هو الروح القدس من يؤمن به تفيد من بطنه أنهار مياه حية قال هذا عن الروح القدس فالروح القدس من خلال الأسرار ومن خلال أباء الكنيسة دي السواقي اللي هي بتفرح مدينة الله بتفرح ولاد ربنا في الكنيسة الأسرار والتعليم الرسولي والتعليم الأبائي تفرح مدينة الله مدينة الله اللي هي مقدس مساكن العلي المكان المقدس الذي يسكن فيه العلي على الأرض يرجع تاني ويؤكد الله في وسطها وسطها ليمين الكنيسة فلن تدزعزع لأن الكنيسة مش مبنية على أساس الأرض لو تفتكر ربنا قال لبطرس أنت بطرس وعلى هذا الصخرة صخرة إيمان بطرس أنت هو المسيح من الله الحي أبني كنيستي فالكنيسة مش مبنية على الأرض لو كنيسة مبنية على الأرض كتبقى مشكلة لما الكنيسة مبنية على ربنا يسوع المسيح 
هو حجر الزاوية الحجر الذي رزله البنقون صار رأسا للساوية عشان كده لن تدزعزع مهما حصل لن تدزعزع شوفوا كم أمة وكم إمبراطور وكم قائد حاولوا أن هم يضطهدوا الكنيسة كلهم راحوا فين زالوا والكنيسة مزالت قائمة وستظل قائمة إلى مجيء المسيح الثاني الله في وسطها فلن تدزعزع يعينها الله عند إقبال الصبح يعني كل صبح في معونة جديدة زي ما نقول في مراسي أرمية صحاح ثلاثة مراحمه جديدة علينا في كل صباح صبح يجي فالظلمة تنقشع صبح إشراق ربنا يشرق علينا فظلمة الخطية وظلمة الشيطان تنقشع عجت الأمم زي ما بيقول مزمور اتنين لماذا ارتجت الأمم وتفكرت شعوب في الباطل هاجت الأمم على ربنا وعلى الكنيسة تزعزعت الممالك ربنا عمل ايه مجرد أعطى صوته فزابت الأرض خايفين ليه الأمم هتهيج والأمم هتحاول تحارب الكنيسة ولكن مجرد صوت ربنا هيخلي الممالك ديا تتزعزع وتزول كم مملكة حاولت تحارب الكنيسة فينهم تزعزعت الممالك أعطى صوته فزابت الأرض ده قوة ربنا إلهنا إله قوي عشان كده ممكن فرود نكون مطمئنين ففي آية سبعة بيقولوا أنتوا عارفين مين ربنا اللي معانا ده ده رب الجنود يعني أي بلد بتفتخر بإيه بالجيش بتاعها احنا ربنا الجيش بتاعه ربوات ربوات وألوف ألوف من رؤساء الملائكة والملائكة المقدسين لما بطرس خد سيفه وقطع أذن عبد رئيس الكهنة ربنا قال له بتعمل يا بطرس ده اللي عايز يجيب لك نشر ألف رب ايه اللي بتعمل يا بطرس فهنا بيقول لك إلهنا ده رب الجنود خايف من ايه رب الجنود معنا وبعدين كلمة معنا ربنا مش معنا كجماعة فقط كمجموعة يعني إنما معنا كإنديفيدوالز كأشخاص وأفراد مش كده بعدها رح قال ملجأنا إله يعقوب يعني في ناس حين تفتكر إن ربنا معنا كمجموعة كجماعة عشان كده كمل في الآية قال إله يعقوب كفرد ربنا وقف مع يعقوب لما كان خايف من عيزه وظهر له ويعقوب صارع معه فربنا واقف معانا كمجموعة وربنا واقف معانا كإيه؟ كأفراد وكأشخاص ففي آية 8 بيقول هلموا انظروا أعمال الله الدعوة دي يا إما للمؤمنين يا إما لغير المؤمنين يا إما للاتنين للمؤمنين بيقول لهم تعالوا انظروا أعمال الله كيف جعل خربا في الأرض يعني كيف جعل خربا في الأرض أعدائنا عداء الكنيسة ربنا حطمهم وجعلهم خرب في الأرض فربنا يقولك ما تخافوش وبيقول لغير المؤمنين تعالوا وانظروا أعمال الله زي ما ربنا جعل الأمم خربا أعداؤه بصوا شوف ربنا عمل ايه عشان تؤمنوا بيه وترجعوا له فده تحذير لغير المؤمنين وبعد كده ربنا يجي الإنسان يقول له رب هتفضل حياتنا كلها حروب حروب كده يقول لك لا مسكن الحروب إلى أقصى الأرض يعني ربنا بيهد الحرب ونلاقي في فترات كده لما تقرأ مثلا في العهد القديم يقول لك بعد الحرب دي كان في سلام عام لمدة سنين لكن لو تاخدها بالمفهوم الروحي ان ربنا لما بكون في حروب خطية علي فربنا بيسكن الحروب دي سلم حياتك لربنا وخلي ربنا فوسط حياتك وخلي ربنا بإلهك زي ما كان إله يعقوب ربنا هيهد الحروب حروب الخطية وحروب الشهوة على الإنسان كان زمان لما يجي جيش ينتصر على عدو يجيبوا الويبونز الأسلحة بتاعتهم ويحطموها هنا ربنا بيعمل نفس كده يكسر القوس 
القوس اللي بيستخدمه الشيطان عشان يرمي سهامه المشتعلة نارا ربنا يكسره ويقطع الرمح والرمح الشيطان بيرميه عليا علشان يصرعني في الخطية ربنا يكسره يقطعه نصين والمركبات لو الشيطان جيب الجيوش عليا كل المركبات دي يحرقها بالنار فما تخافش كفوا واعلموا اني انا الله اقف كده كفوا دي لتقال برضو للمؤمنين وغير المؤمنين للمؤمنين اقف كده وتأمل في عمال ربنا واعرف ان ربنا ده الهنا اله قوي اله حي فاتمن اتمن ولا تضطرب كف واعلموا اني انا هو الله وتتقال لغير المؤمنين كفوا وامنوا اني انا الله اقف شوف اعمالي كل الهة الامم شياطين انا هو الاله الحقيقي اؤمن امن بي اتعالب في الامم اتعالى بين الامم اسمي هينتشر في جميع الامم وهتؤمن بي الامم واتعالى في الارض كلها واسم ربنا خصوصا في مجيء الثاني لما كل الاعداء تنهزم زي ما بولس الرسول بيشرح في كرونسوس الاولى 15 والاخر عدو يبطل هو الموت في ربنا يتعالى في الارض وبعدين ايه 7 يعيدها ثاني ويقول رب الجنود معنا ملجانا اله يعقوب بيؤكد تاني ان الهنا مش اله ضعيف الهنا اله قوي الهنا ملجأ وقوة وجد في الضيقات شديدا هو اله الجنود وهو ايضا اله كل فرد فينا وملجأ لكل فرد فينا وكلمة سلازم اتلوك اوف وتأمل في هذا المعنى الجميل مزمور جميل بنصليه في الساعة الثالثة ممكن يكون كده تأمل لنا في هذه الايام المباركة لهنا المجد الدائم إلى الأبد آمين